Rotary. This is Jonah Trebowasser speaking to you from the very heart of England in Birmingham, England, United Kingdom at the 2009 Rotary International Convention. We're speaking to you from the Cavernous Hall of Friendship at the National Events Center where over 17,000 Rotarians are meeting to learn more about Rotary's humanitarian efforts. And for the next half hour, join me as we stroll through the House of Friendship and talk to many great Rotarians from around the world. My first guest today is Heather Merriam from San Francisco, California, and she's going to talk to us about something called Rotoplast. Heather, welcome to Radio Rotary. Thank you for having me. So tell us, what is Rotoplast? Rotoplast is an independent nonprofit. We were founded um, in uh, San Francisco Club Number Two 16 years ago as a project, a service project. After a couple of years, uh, the missions they were doing, we grew, we became more successful, and so we became an independent organization in 1996. And what does Rotoplast do? Rotoplast sends teams of surgeons um, to perform cleft palate surgeries overseas. Explain to me, what exactly is a cleft palate? Because uh, you've got some photographs, before and after photographs here, of uh, children who suffered from cleft palate and now have beautiful faces, thanks to your great work. But the people on the radio can't see the pictures. So give us a description of what a cleft palate might be. Well, every two minutes, a child with a cleft is born. They can have um, a lip that didn't close, or the palate, which is the roof of the mouth, that didn't close either, and there could be a, a big hole in it. Sometimes they have both. Sometimes they have two places in their lip that didn't close. Um, this kind of problem is taken care of in the United States. It's, it's funded by the government. So um, we go to places where it's not taken care of, and people can't afford it even if, if it was available to them. Now, do you just raise money to donate for local doctors uh, in various countries to perform this surgery, or do we send down uh, Rotarians and doctors to these poorer countries? Our model is to send teams of medical and non-medical volunteers. Um, we send teams of about 27 people. 18 of those are medical volunteers, and the, the Rotary Clubs and Districts fund the missions. They sponsor the missions. And so when they sponsor a mission, we give them a certain allowance of non-medical volunteers so they can go on the trip and get an amazing experience. Now, what kind of uh, medical professionals are we talking about? I assume we're talking about anesthetists who will, will put them under during the operation, dentists who may rearrange their teeth, plastic surgeons, nurses. Right. Uh, the most important being the plastic surgeons. We send. We try to send uh, enough to have three operating rooms at the same time. So we send um, a large team so that they can. There's a spare person in case one of them gets sick, um, four anesthesiologists, two pediatricians, and then OR nurses, um, post-recovery nurses, and um, as you say, the dentist and orthodontist. And how many children have been treated under Rotoplast? 12,000. 12,000. That's terrific. It's all part of Rotary's great humanitarian efforts around the world. So Heather Marion of San Francisco, California, thanks so much for doing this, and thank you for joining us on Radio Rotary. Thank you. Be sure to check out our website, www.rotoplast.org. Oh, give us, give us that website once more. Rotoplast.org. That's great. And we're talking to you from Birmingham in the heart of England at the Rotary International Convention. Our next guest on Radio Rotary is Chris Lewis of the Wheelchair Foundation. He's a Rotarian from Los Angeles, California. Chris, welcome to Radio Rotary. Thank you very much, John. 
Tell us, what is the Wheelchair Foundation? The Wheelchair Foundation is the world's largest wheelchair relief organization. We deliver on average 10,000 free wheelchairs a month to people around the world who are in need of mobility but cannot afford a wheelchair. And where do you get the wheelchairs from? We purchase the wheelchairs from the largest factories in the world, which are in China, and we deliver them directly to the country of destination to our distribution partner with 280 or 110 wheelchair containers. And where do you get the funds from? Rotarians have sponsored over 200,000 wheelchairs in the last eight years to over 150 countries. But we also have corporate sponsors, private donors, churches, groups, organizations, uh, very large corporate sponsors, uh, etc. And these are new wheelchairs or rebuilt? Brand new wheelchairs that would sell for $500 in a medical supply store. But a $150 donation will deliver that wheelchair virtually anywhere in the world. Tell us some of the countries that have been the recipients of these Rotarian donated wheelchairs. Well, it's 150 countries, so just about pick. Mexico has been one of the top destinations. China, of course, where the wheelchairs are made. Been through every country of Latin America, South America, most countries in Africa, Egypt, Central America, you know, Middle East, Asia. You name it, it's been there. We can, we can pretty much bounce around the globe from country to country. We've been just about to every country other than the Central African countries. Now, your booth here in the Hall of Friendship here at the Rotary International Convention in Birmingham says that the wheelchairs also go to victims of polio. And, of course, eradicating polio is one of the big rotary projects. Uh, how are you connected with, uh, for example, the Gates Foundation, who's making that big anti-polio donation for us to work with? Well, the Gates Foundation is actually working on a grant right now with Wheelchair Foundation Canada, which is one of our independent affiliate organizations. And they're going to be sending wheelchairs to Ethiopia and Afghanistan on their first trial. Well, Chris Lewis of the Wheelchair Foundation, Rotarian from Los Angeles, California, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary. My pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. I'm now joined on Radio Rotary by Lasse Peterson from Cornwall in England, and he is with the Shelterbox Group. And here in the House of Friendship, we have a beautiful large tent that's, oh, I would say the size of two American average home bathrooms and surrounded by big green tubs. So Lasse Say, tell us, what is Shelterbox, and why is there a tent right in the middle here of the National um, Convention Center here in Birmingham? Sure. Nice to meet you, Jonah. My name is Lassa Peterson, General Manager for Shelterbox. We're running the, the stand here demonstrating for people the survival aid that we will provide to people around the world who lose their homes in a disaster. Uh, if it's a hurricane, if it's floods, an earthquake, refugees from conflict or from volcano eruption, if you've lost everything, then we can provide provide a shelter box which has a, a tent for a family of up to 10 people. It's got blankets, it's got uh, cooking equipment, uh, cooking units, water purification and tools so you can start rebuilding and a, a kids pack as well, something to look after the children so the adults can get on with figuring out how they're going to rebuild their lives after a disaster. Um, so far, Shelterbox has been operating since year 2000. We've delivered um, emergency shelter for uh, around 800,000 people for 90 disasters in 57 countries and obviously we're here to uh, explain to Rotarians who have supported
supported the project. About 5,000 clubs have supported the project so far. But, you know, that shelter box is an an ideal project for an international project that Rotary clubs around the world can support and help those people in times of need. Now, lastly, the box itself is about the size of an old-fashioned steamer trunk that you might take on a cruise. It's really not that big, and yet you're telling me that you can fit a tent for 10 people and cooking implements and all sorts of emergency equipment in just one of those boxes, or is it more? Um, no, yep, it all fits inside the box. The, they're about uh, 55 kilos when they're full, or 120 to 130 pounds, and that will have everything needed for the survival of a family of 10 to provide them with shelter, warmth, and dignity. Now, uh, we had a tremendous disaster in the United States in uh, New Orleans with a gigantic flood. And I happen to know that shelter boxes arrived in New Orleans, not just around the world in Africa and China and Asia, but we, we take care of people in places like, I presume, England and the United States as well. Is that correct? Uh, yes, you, you're certainly right. For Hurricane Katrina, shelter box sent um, boxes out to provide emergency shelter for about 13,000 people. Uh, it's unusual for us to be sending aid to, to Western countries. Obviously, they can usually uh, deal with the demands to help people themselves, but we are there if we're needed. You know, shelter box helps people in need, uh, not countries. So while most of them will go to you know, throughout the developing world, if they're needed in the developed countries, whether that's America or Australia or, or Europe, then we will certainly send them there. Uh, one example is we had shelter boxes go to Italy for the earthquake there uh, only about six weeks ago. So I said, we will respond wherever needed. And what does it cost to put together a shelter box with this tent and all the survival equipment in it? Yeah. A shelter box is a thousand US dollars. That's the price delivered anywhere in the world by air freight, uh, containing all the contents of the box plus the delivery. Our volunteers will go out and deliver them, deliver them to people in need. Uh, the and that works out. Generally, uh, a box is used for about six months. The shelter where people live in a tent for six to twelve months works out at about fifty cents per person per day. That's fantastic. Lassie Peterson of Cornwall, England, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary, and thanks for the great work you do with Shelterbox. Thanks very much, Jonah, and uh, thanks to all the Rotarians who generously give us their support. This is Jonah Trebois speaking to you from the 2009 100th Annual Convention of Rotary International, and we're here in beautiful Birmingham in the heart of England, and I am talking now to Martin Tornis, is it? Torrens, who is with the Gisborne Australia Rotary Club, and Martin is very much involved in multiple sclerosis awareness. Martin, tell us, what is the disease known as multiple sclerosis? Basically, it's a neurological disease where your own immune system attacks the insulation or the myelin sheet on your nervous system. So that you you can imagine your head is the computer and the rest of your body is like a robot. Any action, anything that needs to move needs to have an electrical signal to actually perform that particular movement or task. But because your own immune system attacks it, the signal doesn't get to that part of the body and therefore you can't either can't walk, you mightn't be able to see, you mightn't be able to hear, you mightn't be able to control your bodily functions. It's one of those diseases that's sculptured to a person to make their life difficult. It's different for every person. There are also three different types. You can have a remitting relapsing where with some of the medicines around it can slow the progress down. They identify it at a younger age so therefore you can lead a normal life in between attacks. There's a secondary progressive and a primary progressive. The primary progressive don't have attacks 
attacks, they just get worse. And my passion for this disease is because my son has it. He was diagnosed at 20, he's now 40, and he needs 24-7 care in a wheelchair. So therefore my vision is to promote MS awareness within Rotary. Many Rotarians around the world do many, many fundraising efforts for the MS societies. My hope is that people would put that in their club plans and objectives, promote it within Rotary to your district governor so that Rotary leadership can see that it's a major problem in developed countries. It's really a, a young person's disease. With now, Martin, let me ask you, do we know what causes MS? No, it's uh, still no cause and there is no cure. But what we do know, it could be genetic, environment or diet. The further north or south of the equator you go, the more the incidence. So, therefore, uh, the, the researchers now have developed centres of excellence around the world that are attacking different parts of this very complex disease. And what has Rotary done to help in the fight against MS? Rotary, I suppose, has begun from humble beginnings. My, my son was diagnosed with MS, and therefore, at my Rotary club, when I was first president in 1992, decided to make it a, a club project, and that grew to a district project. And because we wanted, to, um, you know, internationally for Rotary to help as, a, as they have with polio, we had it approved as a international project to promote awareness. Frank Devlin suggested we started off as a fellowship and then as we've started to raise money and we've grown and we've become established we've been now renamed an action group and really people like myself that have got a passion for a cause uh, are the, the new way that Rotary does business. We are trying to help people with MS by promoting our cause and so any help we get is great. So hopefully just as Rotary is just about to stamp out polio around the world, they can turn their attention to MS and help stamp that out. Martin Torrens of Gisborne, Australia. Thanks for joining us on Radio Rotary. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. Fantastic. My guest now on Radio Rotary is Russell Richards from Sightsavers International. Russell, welcome to our program. Thank you very much. Please tell me, what exactly is Sightsavers? Uh, Sightsavers is an international charity that works with poor communities around the world to alleviate their sight problems, whether it's the restoration of sight, prevention of uh, going blind, or working with incurably blind adults and children. And how do you go about doing this? Well, the most important thing, of course, first of all, is to raise the money in order to do it. And that's where Rotary comes in in the United Kingdom and Ireland. They're great supporters of Sightsavers, and we work together on a number of projects around the world to try to reach the poorest people who are suffering from sight problems. Now, uh, are you into prevention or surgery or cure or a little bit of everything? Well, a little bit of everything, but of course the most effective way is prevention. It's the cheapest way, so if you can stop someone going blind, you don't have the, the extras of, of going through surgery and things like that. So we put a lot of emphasis onto the prevention of blindness, because if people are already blind needlessly, then of course they need surgery and they need their sight restored. What kind of preventive measures are you talking about? We work um, all over Africa with, with river blindness to try to eliminate, eliminate river blindness. And last year, we treated 22 million people to prevent them from going blind through river blindness. 
Now you mentioned river blindness. What exactly is that? Uh, river blindness is a disease which people catch if they live in the very wet parts of Africa along fast-flowing rivers. And it's a disease that's spread by a fly which lays a larva into your body which eventually hatches out into millions of tiny worms which when they die, they destroy the tissue around them. So if they get into the eye and they die, they slowly destroy the eye. And there are at the moment, I think, about um, 29 million people blind in West Africa because of river blindness, and that's incurable. Once they've gone blind with that, you can't do anything about it. But by treating them annually with the tablet, which is donated to us by Merck, the drug company, free of charge, um, we can guarantee, providing they take the tablet every year, they won't go blind. So, as I say, last year we treated over 22 million people that we can guarantee won't go blind, and a lot of that is thanks to Rotary. Well, Russell Richards of Sightseers International, that's a wonderful program, and it's all part of Rotary's commitment to humanitarian efforts around the world. Thank you so much for what you do to help people sight, and thank you for joining us on Radio Rotary. Thank you very much, and please continue to keep supporting Sightseers Rotary. Welcome back to Radio Rotary. This is Jonah Trebowasser reporting from the 2009 Rotary International Convention in beautiful Birmingham, England, and we're very privileged to have with us today the uh, noted primatologist and humanitarian activist, Dr. Jane Goodall. Dr. Goodall, welcome to Radio Rotary. Thank you. Dr. Goodall, my listeners back in the United States remember very fondly your extensive series on public broadcasting uh, about your study of chimpanzees. But you're here today to talk to 18,000 Rotarians. Uh, What message are you bringing them today? I'll be talking a little bit about the chimpanzees because it was studying them that led me to do what I'm doing now. It was the realization that these chimpanzees who have taught us absolutely that there's no sharp line dividing us from the rest of the animal kingdom, which has led to a different kind of respect for other amazing animals. And when I realized that these ambassadors from the animal world were becoming extinct in Africa, and learned more about the reasons for that extinction, the destruction of the forests, the uh, continually growing human populations, the increasing threat of the commercial hunting of wild animals for food, uh, realizing that so many of Africa's problems could be laid at the door of the developed world, our greedy and thoughtless exploitation of the non-renewable natural resources of the developing world, Then I realized that I needed to leave the forest that I love and try to do what I could to make a difference. Now, you've established something called the Jane Goodall Institute. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. What kind of work does that do? The Jane Goodall Institute was initially set up to continue the research at Gombe, and we are now nearing our 50th anniversary next year, uh, but also for conservation not just in Tanzania, but in other parts of the developing world, well, the whole world, really, and education. And so one of our major programs in all the countries where the Jane Goodall Institute exists, which is 26 countries, is a program for young people called Roots and Shoots, now in 111 countries with about 10,000 active groups of all ages, goal to make the world a better place for people, for animals, for the environment. Now, if my listeners uh, wanted some concrete suggestions on what they can do to make the world a better place, what would Dr. Jane Goodall, the renowned scientist, primatologist, and humanitarian, suggest to them? Well, obviously there are different ways that people can make differences. Some 
can contribute money to various causes, and that's always welcome. We always welcome that, obviously, because we have many humanitarian causes working to improve the lives of very poor villagers, as well as conserving nature, watersheds, and so forth. But, you know, somebody will say, well, I'm just an ordinary person. I can't contribute a lot of money. Possibly you listening to me have a child or a grandchild that you could involve in our Roots and Toots program. That would make a difference because kids get it. But very, very simple. Spend a few minutes each day learning about and acting upon the consequences of the small choices you make. What you buy, what you eat, what you wear. Where did it come from? How was it made? Did it... uh, cause pollution to vast areas of the habitat? Did it involve massive animal suffering as in uh, factory farming? Did it involve child slave labor? Were there millions of food miles added to that delicacy that you buy over the counter? These kind of small choices, if millions of people just change a little bit, it will make huge difference. And it not just affects the animal kingdom, it affects our own ability to survive. Uh, if we abuse the earth, it's, it's our home as well. Absolutely, and we are abusing ourselves already, and you people don't realize how much we are actually abusing human health. For example, the antibiotics that have to be fed to these wretched animals in these intensive farms just to keep them alive get out into the environment. The bacteria are building resistance. People are dying of a simple scratch because there hasn't been an antibiotic strong enough to cure it. And there are people children being born into environments where the air they breathe, the water they drink, the food they eat is making them sick because of agricultural and uh, even household chemicals. I know you have a website with the Jane Goodall Institute that can give people more information, especially if they want to become activists like yourself or perhaps donate uh, to help fund your, uh, your work. What is that website, Dr. Goodall? It's a very, very simple one, www.janegoodall.org, O-R-G. All right, that's org. And Dr. Goodall, I not only want to thank you for the great work you've done, but I, want, I have a personal thank you, if I may. My daughter Allison studied anthropology and primatology uh, because uh, she was so uh, impressed and motivated by your work. And I understand that you're on the road 300 days a year, is that correct? 300 days a year, and especially now growing the program for youth, which I invite Alison to join. Well, here's Alison's invitation to you, Dr. Goodall. If you're tired of hotel food, she lives in Boston, where she's working in a, in a veterinary practice uh, before um, going on with her studies in primatology. If you want a good home-cooked meal, give her a call. She'd be honored to have you. Thank you, Alison. <laughs> we'll remember that next time we're in Boston. And thank you so much, Dr. Goodall, for joining us on Radio Rotary.
delightful voices of the Birmingham Children's Choir and the Korean Little Angels ringing in our ears, we bring to a close another edition of Radio Rotary, coming to you from Birmingham in the heart of England at the 2009 Rotary International Convention. This has been Jonah Trebowser speaking. Be sure to join us again for another edition of Radio Rotary next Friday at 9 a.m. right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Highland Rotary Club's Hudson Valley Rib Fest on August 14th, 15th, and 16th at the Ulster County Fairgrounds, Liberty Road in New Paltz. Great entertainment, great music, and especially great food. For more information, visit HudsonValleyRibFest.org. That's HudsonValleyRibFest.org. Kingston Sunrise Rotary Club, holding its miniature golf tournament July 30th at Ascot Park, Kingston. Great fun. For information, call Sarah at 845-339-3492. That's 339-3492.